touring musicians, it's really hard. It's harder than you think it is. And what you have to ask yourself is, is there anything else for you? He said, most musicians that I know that are doing it, there is nothing else. There is only this. And yeah, he's totally right. Welcome to the Myth of Fingerprints, the podcast that explores music and the human stories behind the artists. I'm Jonah Luke, your host, and each week I bring you interviews and a song from each of our guests. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a rating and a review. And to check out all of the episodes of this podcast, head on over to jonahluke.com podcast. Thanks for listening and let's go. Hello, wonderful people. Jonah Luke here. And today on the podcast, we are talking with Swear and Shake, a wonderful indie rock band from Nashville, Tennessee. And we're talking to Carrie Spieler from that band who sings and plays guitar with the four piece. And we're talking to her about how the band started, why they relocated from New York to Nashville and what their plans are for the future. You'll definitely want to check out this band. We've got a great song that we're going to play from them at the end of the episode. If you want to check out other episodes and see show notes and all that good stuff, head on over to jonahluke.com backslash podcast. And here's the interview. Welcome back to the myth of fingerprints. I'm Jonah Gal Neufeld here in Portland, Oregon. I'm in my basement today. It's rainy and cloudy as it often is in Portland, Oregon. And I'm here with Carrie Spieler of Swear and Shake, an awesome band from, uh, I guess I would say Brooklyn slash Nashville at this point. I know you uh, recently moved to Nashville. How are you doing, Carrie? I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm, I'm calling from uh, sunny Nashville. It's about 65 degrees. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's, I, I'm sorry. I mean, I, Portland's got a lot of things over Nashville, but the weather winds in Nashville today. Yeah, yeah. It's, we actually, weirdly enough, had an 80 degree and sunny day yesterday. Huh. And then it just turned around completely. So, Good. oh, well. We won't get political on that. <laughs> <laughs> so for the people who don't know about Swear and Shake, can you describe... Uh, your sound, and then maybe take us back to how the band started. Absolutely. Um, Swear and Shake is a big hook Americana band um, that tells stories from an emotional and passionate place. Um, and the band got started at a school in upstate New York called SUNY Purchase. I shouldn't really say upstate, but it's just about 40 minutes north of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a singer, songwriter, music student. And Adam McKeffey, my partner in crime, uh, was also a singer, songwriter on campus. And one day we decided to put a band together and see what would happen if we combined forces. And that's how Swear and Shake got started. And how do you come up with the name? Uh, the name came from a strenuous day of trying to figure out what we would want to be called and then surfing through um, <laughs> Adam's old song lyrics. We really like the idea of swear and shake. Um, and I think it was particularly relevant to what was going on because 
neither of us had really written with another writer before and it's sort of like scary and exciting all at once and so what swear and shake meant to me certainly at the time was like all right I'm in I'm all in let's go for this and see what happens so it's like it's like a promise cool yeah so what did you what do you get up to this week like what do you what do you guys do I know you tour and record a lot but what are you doing currently it's our first week back in Nashville from a tour that we'd just been on, which was amazing. We did the whole Western half of the country and hit Doug Fur in Portland, which was amazing. And so it's pretty funny to transition back into Nashville life. We've only been here for about five months. And as I mentioned, one of those months we spent on tour. Um, So I've been, I work actually at Anthropology as a sales associate. Mm-hmm. I also drive for Lyft, which is cool and um, and really interesting. I get to meet a lot of people doing that. And I also teach at a Hebrew school in the West End uh, neighborhood of um, Nashville. And, um, and then I, I write and do writing sessions with other people as well when we're around town. And wow. um, I know I have a lot of stuff going. Yeah. <laughs> After living in Brooklyn and, um, you know, doing the hustle there, I sort of have taken a little bit of that anxiety with me about (laughs) worried that I'm going to come back from tour and I'm not going to be able to pay for the things that I need to. And, um, and so I work as much as I possibly can when we get home. Yeah. Should probably chill out to be honest with you. It's it's way not necessary anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something I've, uh, I don't know. I get nervous about it. This is you and me, I guess. <laughs> what prompted the move to, to Nashville? How, what would, how do you guys decide to do that? And- well, we're all originally from New York, um, New York state. So, and Benny's actually, he's from not too far away, uh, from Baltimore, Maryland. And it, it just, it got to be time to try something new. And, and also, you know, Brooklyn was an amazing experience and we loved living there and our family's there and our friends are there. But when we would come back from tour, it was, like I said, it was like, you know, going back to these menial jobs and um, not doing as much music and being as Mm. immersed in music as we wanted to be. Um, I'm sure you've heard the stories of, gentrification that has happened in over the past probably five to six years and you know it's just sort of impossible to be a musician and be creative and also pay rent in Brooklyn so that was the other thing was like we didn't want to come back and only be working these side jobs and not being able to see music at the very least Mm -hmm. we wanted to be on when we got back home So we kind of narrowed it down between Atlanta, Georgia, which is a beautiful place. And we've got a lot of friends and family there as well. And Nashville, Tennessee and, um, and Nashville won. So that's, well, that's cool that you, that it worked out that, that all of you decided to, uh, make the move at once. And, and that kind of shows that you're, I guess, all in it, which is good. Yeah. I know a lot of people are really surprised by that, but it was sort of a natural thing. So let's go back to you personally. How did you start playing music? I always loved to sing from from being a small 
kid and I, and I wrote songs sporadically throughout my adolescence and I took it more seriously when I got to high school. I just, um, it's funny too. I don't think either of my parents were really into music too much. I just, I don't know. I felt, uh, I could always really express myself while I was singing, even if it was somebody else's song. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when I got into junior high and high school, I decided that it was time for me to write my own music. And, um, and I did that. And then I started like performing out when I, I was about 15 or 16. And from that point on, I was pretty much hooked into the music world. Yeah. Did you study music in college? I did. I can't say that I was the most diligent of students, but yes, <laughs> technically I was a music student at SUNY Purchase. And, um, and I met a lot of really incredible musicians and, um, my professors were, were incredible. And I feel bad that I just didn't go to class and smoked a little too <laughs> pot. But, um, but I, I really did take a lot out of it. And, um, I don't know, I just, I had this idea from, from being like pretty young that I wanted to be a performer and that was the only thing I wanted to do. So, hmm. yeah. Do you, is there somebody in your life who's had a, a big influence on you becoming a musician and maybe if you could tell us about that person or maybe there's a few people and what they kind of taught you or how they helped you pursue what you're pursuing now? When I was in high school, my mom was dating um, a music lover. His name is Stan. He's now my stepdad. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was very supportive of me writing and, you know, getting out there in front of people. And I actually, I remember I, I had played a show in Woodstock, New York at this theater called the Bearsville theater. And my stepdad who'd been working for the radio station in the area at the time was driving me home after the show. And he said very seriously, he was like, you know, musicians, touring musicians, it's really hard. It's harder than you think it is. And what you have to ask yourself is, is there anything else for you? Mm -hmm. I know he said most musicians that I know that are doing it, they, there is nothing else. There is only this. And yeah, he's totally right. And, and at that moment, I was like, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I think I was 17 at the time. And, um, you know, people were still buying CDs and whatnot. Right. <laughs> and getting record deals and things. So yeah. I, at the time I was like, oh, yeah, this will be this will be a breeze. Yeah, I choose music. Yeah. And uh, and then life happened. And I'm, I still choose music and it's hard. But but um, I, I think that that was a huge influence on me. It was like I, at that moment I thought about it and I was like, well, what else is there really for mm -hmm. me? Yeah. From an from an early age, I don't know if I had anybody else into music or, or saying that me being a musician was the right thing for me to do. But when I was, you know, 16 or 17, good old Stan Weinstein came into the picture and he was like, if you want to do this, go ahead and do it. Yeah. Good. Well, we'll have to send this episode to Stan. Yeah. He'll hear it. He's up on everything. <laughs> so you mentioned just briefly, you know, you said back when people were buying CDs and there's of course, technology and the internet has touched everything, especially the music industry. And I know that your band is definitely and the, you know, you guys love social media and have done Kickstarter and all that. What do you, you know, feel like, like even just the simple fact of for your next record, you know, are you going to make 
CDs or are you going to go with something more digital or how do you feel in general about the, about technology and the internet in the music industry? Well, let me first say that if, if you're unwilling to change with the growing world, then what are you even really doing? Right. Right. Um, I think it's important to, to understand that things grow and they evolve. And even though it's more difficult for us um, to make money in this, in this world, um, we still get to do what we love and we'll find another way because art always does. It finds another way to, to get out there and, um, and pursue the masses. Um, and let me also say that we will always make CDs. And the reason for that is because, um, when I go to a show, I love having a souvenir from it. Right. And I think a lot of other people feel the same way. So like the connotation behind making a package for something has changed a little bit. Like it's, it doesn't have as much weight, if you will, like you don't have to buy that CD in order to listen to the music, but buying that package means that you've a, of course helped out the band, but B you've got something special Mm-hmm. And like, you know, we'll have CDs up online probably forever as well. And we have them now. But like, I noticed that we sell a lot more at a show because somebody is like there and they can buy it and they can have it right there. Right. So, and also I think Adam always tells the story that the reason he decided to be in music is because he wanted to make band merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> so if we take that away from him, he, he'll probably quit. <laughs> So what um what other musicians are you listening to right now? If you looked on your uh, you know most recent plays on your Spotify or iPhone or iPad or whatever, yeah, uh, the most recent one that I listened to that I was really um, moved by is Mac DeMarco. His he just released a new record, I think, and he's touring on it this summer. Um, and a huge one for me that makes me weep is Natalie Prass. Um, mm. she's touring with Ryan Adams. He produced her record and it's sensational. And, um, let's see. I've also been listening to a lot of Jenny Lewis because go girl power. And mm-hmm. she's interesting. And what else did I just recently listen to? Oh, Alabama shakes, man. Oh yeah. Gotta. Gotta. You gotta. I think that record is really interesting because most people really connect with the lead singer and, and like the media is really doing that too, to, to Brittany. Mm-hmm. They're like, Oh, she's the lead. Her voice is incredible. Blah, blah, blah. But when you listen to that record, what you hear in my opinion is a development of a band of a unified group of people. And, um, and like, you can't have one without the other. Like, I don't yeah. know why no one's giving the guitarist credit for creating this, Bed. He's almost like the second lead singer, the way that he plays. So, yeah, I yeah. like that record because I think it is different and it's unique. But what's special about it is that they've all grown together and interwoven between parts. And it's I think it's really cool. Cool. Yeah. So what's next for Swear and Shake? What are your plans for the rest of the year and beyond? Well, we had been touring pretty th- much full time and were pretty nomadic for about two and a half years. And, um, and it didn't allow us too much time to write new music and develop new music. So that's where we're at right now. 
And um, this past tour that we were on, we only we played as a trio um, just for easy setup and breakdown. Mm-hmm. But we got to play some new songs. So a lot of those new songs will go back into rehearsal and we'll figure out how we want them to evolve. And then we'll go into the studio and make a new record. Probably, I'm going to, fingers crossed, I'm going to say the fall. Cool. Like September, October. That's that's the next move for us. Um, it's We're like past due, in my opinion, for, for getting something out there. Um, and yeah, like I said, I mean, the CD thing, the digital revolution is, is tricky because we need that money to go into the studio as independent artists. Right. So yeah. So like we'll take all this merch money that we made from this last tour and we'll put it back into a record making fund and then we'll see what happens in the fall. Um, I'd rather not do a crowd funding thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it seems, I know people, once they do one record, it seems like it's hard to, especially if you come back like within a year or two. Yeah. This, you know, it's kind of like asking the same people again, unless you've really, you know, changed. Right. It's asked, it's, um, it's actually been a long time since we did the Kickstarter. I think it's been three years now. Yeah. Which is insane. But, (laughs) um, I guess I, it's hard to explain what my feelings are behind it. It's just that, um, I don't like asking people for money in general. <laughs> That's a big thing. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of tricky tricky to explain. We were so appreciative to have people. They're basically investors. Right. It's important that, that we say that. It's not somebody donating their, their money. It's somebody that is making a project happen, like a private investor. Like think of a band that does a crowdfunding uh, site as a small startup business, and this is the way to put their product into into production. Yeah, that's a great way to think about it. Yeah. Cool. So we're gonna listen to a song now before um, the episode ends, and it's called Fire. Would you like to say anything about this song, Carrie, before we listen to it? I think this is one of my favorite songs that Swear and Shake has ever done because it's dreamy and it's playful, and it's um, yeah. I guess that's all I really have to say. Cool. Well, <laughs> Carrie, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us, and we we look forward to the new album and everything that you guys are doing. Thanks, Jonah. Pleasure to internet meet you. Stay. 
That's it for this episode of The Myth of Fingerprints. As always, I'm Jonah Luke. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. To continue the conversation, to learn more about the artists that you just heard, and to suggest an artist for the podcast, head on over to jonahluke.com podcast. If you're on iTunes, be sure to give us a rating and review as that helps immensely. You can also join the conversation on Twitter. I'm at Jonah Luke, and I would love to hear from you. See you next time. This has been a Freedom Podcasting production. For more information, go to freedompodcasting.com.